Our last Sunday evening together doing a little more like Jesus, a little less like me. I was scanning through a, I don't know, I read, try to read all kinds of stuff. And I was reading this story about the most popular names for babies, for baby girls in the year 2021 so far. What is the most popular name in the USA, just the USA, for baby girls? First, Olivia. Hey! Second is Emma, and third is Amelia. And the top three names for boys this year so far is Liam. Liam. And then there's Noah and Oliver. In case you're wondering and you're in that way and you're thinking about a name to pick for your next baby, uh, you care to guess the most popular name for a girl over the last 100 years? in the United States. The most popular name for a girl is... Bing, 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 you got it. Mary is it. And the most popular name for boys over the last hundred years in the USA is... You're close. I heard Jim. Somebody said Jim or James. That's the name. So Mary and Jim, if that's you, if you're married, you, you're fit right in there. A lot of parents name their kids after someone in the Bible, of course. They may not know it, but they, they do it anyway. Like there's David and Joel and Deborah and Adam and Hannah and Isaiah and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are in there. I'm kind of partial myself to Joshua and Caleb. I always was fond of that and it seems to fit where I come from. Uh, there's Sarah and Rebecca and Rachel and Leah. And then there's names that spring from this new character, this new life that we have in Christ, like faith, hope, joy, grace. All these Bible names are out there, but you know, I cannot recall anyone naming their baby Zacchaeus. I know there's Zachary and all that, Zachariah, but I haven't... I don't know. Never heard the name Zacchaeus. And I wondered why that is. I figured it was probably because it's hard to spell. I mean, it is hard to spell. There's two C's in there, and it ends with a bunch of vowels that don't seem to fit anything. So, uh, for me, when you see the notes up there, I, I gave up trying to spell it. His spell checker kept saying, that's not right, that's not... I just put Z. You see Z, that's Zacchaeus. He was probably the last guy that you would expect to be in the family of God. But, of course... Paul also fits into the category of the last guy you'd expect to see in the family of God, and his name is popular among us. But four letters, it's a lot easier to spell, so we use that. The big story is this. Uh, Luke 19, Jesus is on his way to the cross. In the previous chapter, he says, look, here's what's going to happen to me when we get to Jerusalem. I'm going to be handed over to the Romans. I'm going to be mocked, treated shamefully. I'm going to be flogged with a whip. I'm going to be killed, and on the third day I will rise again. He is on his way to die. That's what's going to happen. So in Luke chapter 19, we get his last one-on-one meeting, private meeting with someone before all of the events of the final week take place in his life. So we've been focusing on a little more like Jesus, a little less like me. And we see it, this magnificent personality, this gracious way of Christ, this life-changing power are on full display in this short story about this short man. 
Now, Jesus was the most popular man in the country. He was surrounded by a crowd everywhere he went. The last story of Luke 18 tells about how Jesus was entering into the city of Jericho and there was a big crowd of people and a blind man heard this crowd. He didn't know exactly what was going on, but he heard the crowd and started calling out the name of Christ and he was healed. He didn't see it, but he could tell that there was something going on just because of the crowd. And so that's how it was. Wherever he went at this point in his life, there was a crowd of people. So let's read it together. Luke 19, verse 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed the sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately, I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He's going to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Man, I love that story. Short story about a short man. Six things about Z, real quick. He had this well-known reputation. He was a notorious sinner. That's what he was known as. Everybody knew that. He was the chief tax collector. That meant that he ran the show. He was the main man. He took not only from the taxes he had collected, but from those underneath him. He skimmed off of them as well. He was rich. And, of course, he was short. And he, for some reason, wanted to see Jesus. Throw that out there. Why did he want to see Jesus? And then finally, he is the subject of a famous song. You probably know that. If you grew up in Sunday school, you know the song about the wee little man was he. But I think this song that we were taught as kids needs a second verse. Because it kind of leaves a lot unsaid there. So, assignment as we're working through this text today, write a rhyme, write, write a rhyme or a song about the second part of Zacchaeus' life. I mean, there's nothing in the song about him doing this amazing stuff with generosity at the end. So, there's your assignment as we work through this today. Zacchaeus was a seeker. Verse 1 through 4. He lived in the city of Jericho, the city of Palms, uh, the crossroads. It was a place of commerce. It was very close to the Jordan River. It was not far from the Dead Sea. It was on the road west to Jerusalem. So there was a lot going on in Jericho. Crossroads. He ran the show there. And now tax collectors were awful human beings. Uh, they became wealthy by being very greedy. And they were seen as traitors because they were collaborators with Rome, the government that was overseeing Judea at the time. They were just working with them. And since he was a chief 
tax collector. He was a skimmer. He just got a percentage of everything that was collected. Some funny people, I think it's funny, some people say since he was short, he had short man syndrome. You know, short man syndrome means if you're short, you're going to show the world, even though you're not as tall as everybody else, you're going to show the world that you can do it. And I don't know if that's right or wrong. I've always wondered about that short man syndrome thing. But their idea was that uh, since he was short, he maybe taxed tall people extra. <laughs> he overcharged the tall people. I'd be in trouble around Zacchaeus is what I'm trying to say. But he had that kind of power. If he didn't like you, he could tax you. Uh, if he was having a bad day, he could tax you. Just, uh, it was not a standard charge for him. You might have to pay a little bit extra. The system operated like the mafia, and I do not mean the Bills mafia. Not like that mafia. He overcharged, and he kept the bonus. And it's interesting because Zacchaeus, the name, means pure, innocent, clean, that's what the name means. So it would be a great name for a baby. But look what had become of this Zacchaeus. You guys, when you survey the life of Christ, especially the book of Luke in this case, he has a very strong interest in people. He mentions a lot of people and a lot of occupations. Um, in Luke chapter 5, he starts his emphasis on tax collectors. Luke tells how Jesus connected with tax collectors a lot. And he had dinner with the tax collector in, in chapter 12 and chapter 5. He shows Matthew as one of his uh, 12. In chapter 15, he was eating with tax collectors and notorious sinners. In Luke 18, there's this mention of a despised tax collector who prayed this humble prayer, Lord, forgive me for I am a sinner. And now here in Luke 19, four or five different times, it's interesting that he mentions tax collectors in his writing. And Luke also records a lot of things about wealthy people in his biography of Jesus. Uh, there's a rich man in Lazarus in chapter 16, for instance. And, um, there's a story about what we'll refer to a little bit later on here. Luke chapter 18, a rich man came and said, how do I inherit eternal life? Big conversation about that. And it was there that Jesus said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into heaven. Hmm. Well, Zacchaeus is in big trouble because he's a corrupt tax collector and he is a rich man. He cheats, he robs, he lies. He's far from God. Three strikes, you're out. He's out. But for some reason, he wanted to see Jesus. He was drawn to Jesus. Uh, a lot of speculation about why he was so eager that he would climb a tree. What was it that drove him? Uh, some think that it was because he was sick and tired of his life of rejection. Everywhere he went, people said, there goes that guy. And he ate alone a lot because nobody wanted to be around him. Only his fellow tax collectors. He was so he's isolated. And, and that gets old after a while. You know that loneliness... Nobody likes that. And maybe it was the guilt. Yeah, he had all this stuff, but he didn't have very many friends. And he realized he didn't have friends because of the way he had treated people. So this guilt was building up in him. And maybe he had just heard from other tax collectors, as Luke has recorded for us, that 
This guy, Jesus, he's different, man. He doesn't isolate us. He actually wants to eat with us. He, he comes to our house. It's pretty cool. You should meet this guy sometime. Now, I know everybody knows Zacchaeus was a wee little man. He was vertically challenged. He was the shortest man in the Bible. No, there was another guy in the Bible, sorry. Remember that guy named Nehemiah? Nehemiah in the Old Testament? I think he was the shortest man in the Bible. Um, how, do you, how do you feel about somebody that would get into a car and deliberately drive a car at a high rate of speed down a city street during a holiday parade and run over people. It is unspeakable, right? It is outrageous. How could that happen? And so we want to know who did that and why they did that and we have contempt for whoever did that and that is the level of frustration people had with Zacchaeus. That. That guy's outrageous. Stay far from him. Uh, because he was a wee little man, uh, he couldn't see through the crowd. He climbed the tree, a sycamore fig tree. If you go out the door and turn right, that tree between the building and the parking lot, that's a sycamore tree. We don't have figs on it very often, though. <laughs> it's a sycamore tree. And it's lots of branches. It's easy to climb. It's easy to blend in. Easy to hide, right, for a guy like him. So usually, you know, we say short people, you let, the, let the little kids through, let the short people through. Tall people in back, you can see over everybody. You know, they, uh, let him through. But Zacchaeus is so hated that they won't give him a break. They won't let him through to the front of a line. Sorry. Get out of here. Get lost. We don't need you. And so he's getting a little bit of his own medicine from the crowd. Now, just quickly, eight things about Jesus. There's a lot more here. You know, we've been trying to work through this, but it's just amazing. He was, he was well known. Uh, even in a crowd, he knows you. It's just... Uh, even in a crowd, he knows your identity and your, your location. Where can I go from his spirit? Psalm 139. Where can I flee from his presence? If I go to the heavens, he's there. If I go to the depths, he's there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, his right hand will find me and hold me in his hand. You can't escape him. Uh, so he knows your location. He knows your identity. And we know that he's a friend of sinners. We're now in chapter 19 of Luke. We've seen it all the way through different places, different people, uh, how he just connects with people. And he knows what's in your heart. Don't know how that can happen, but he knows all of us today and knows... What's going on with you? Uh, what's causing you stress and anxiety? What brings you great joy? Uh, what you're tearing? He, he's got it. He knows. And the thing is, He likes you. He likes you. 
I wish I could hook up a microphone and say, God, God's not against you. He's for you. He likes you. He'd like to have lunch with you. And His love is irresistible. And we have seen that. When people furthest from God sit down with Jesus, they're drawn to Him. And, of course, He changes directions in lives. He, he uh, won't leave you the way you are. He's going to turn you in a good way. And last is that public opinion has no effect on him at all. He doesn't care what you think. doesn't care what you say. He's going to do the right thing every time. He's going to be kind and gracious. He's going to be truthful. Now, as a child, I thought Zacchaeus was seeking Jesus. You know, he was a wee little man, wee little man, he was climbing up in the sick room for the Lord he wanted to see. That's how I thought that went. But as I read the story and look at it more, I see now that Jesus was seeking Zacchaeus. Reverse that. That's why that song needs a second or third verse. It was at the end of this story that Jesus gave his mission statement. I came to seek and save the lost. That's why I came. So that's the mission statement. That's what he's about. Zacchaeus thinks he's camouflaged. Jesus walks right to the tree. He looks up and calls him by name. Busted. (laughs) There are no secrets. You're nailed. How does he know my location and my identity? And it's just a very powerful moment because the crowd is stunned. Like, of all the people in this town, you've got to be kidding me. And Zacchaeus is shocked. How... I'm trying to be anonymous here. I don't want to be called out in public. And the term, of course, is omniscience. Jesus is omniscient. He he knows. We always forget names. Um, I apologize to you in advance. I meet somebody for the very first time. And I say, it's very nice to meet you. And ten seconds later, I'm saying, the heck is that person's name? Mm, I should have written that down. Pen right here, write it on my hand. Yeah, I'm sorry. I keep working at that. And don't take it personally. I do it to everybody. Um, as far as we know, these two guys had never met. But Jesus calls them by name, and he does so so routinely that Luke skips over the omniscience of Jesus and skips to the grace of Jesus. It's just the way he is, and it's no big deal. And we've had 18 chapters of it. Now we're in the 19th chapter. You should know. That's, he, he's got this. He knows everybody. Come down. I must stay at your house. As far as I can read in Scripture, this is the first time that Jesus actually invited himself into somebody's house. It's kind of bold of him, don't you think? I need to talk with you at your house right now. And the public reaction is strong. Verse 7 says, uh, the people muttered, indignantly complaining. Uh, The picture is like the buzzing of bees. You've been around a beehive and you hear the buzz. And the people are just grumpy. Have you ever said, you've got to be kidding me? That's the reaction of the crowd. Uh, There's this total disapproval of the whole thing. He calls him out. He wants to eat at his house. 
So now, two guys are on the naughty list. Jesus and Zacchaeus. He's going to be the guest of a notorious sinner. Hey, it's funny sometimes how we think we can help God out with a little inside information as if He doesn't know things and He needs our help to tell Him how it's going to go down. Hey, Jesus, heads up. Just so you'll know, in our town, just up and around the corner, we have a Chick-fil-A and it's just up there and make a right. And that's a really good place to eat. And there's really good people that eat there. You could eat there and you can have a great time with them. And you wouldn't have to mess with this guy. You don't want to hang out with this guy. Uh, but no, Jesus knows that. He's right on mission, right on target. Seeking and saving the lost. That's what he does. It's a kind of a funny thing here that Luke does not record the conversation with Zacchaeus. He only records the outcome. And I want to know what was going on there. So thankfully, the Bible gives us some insight. First, Zacchaeus calls him Lord, meaning boss. For the chief tax collector in Jericho to call him boss shows a change of heart already. And then he promised half his wealth to the poor. Wow. Then he's going to pay back four times those he cheated. There's something going on with this conversation. He changed his priorities and his lifestyle just over lunch. There's no more cheating. The tax rate in Jericho went down immediately. Wouldn't you like the town assessors to become a Christian and suddenly think, like, wouldn't that be a great thing? Man. Those who criticized Jesus were now very glad he had lunch with Zacchaeus. Man, the idol in Zacchaeus' life was money. You got to have money if you went out shopping on Black Friday. You can't go with nothing. You, you got to go with something. You got to have some money if you're going to do that. But money is such a threat to the condition of our souls. It runs us. It, it makes us think we always need more. We need more revenue streams. We do not have enough yet. Oh, the stock market went down. Oh, no, not that again. But money, money never seems to deliver because we always seem to want more. We have a bunch, but we want more. So something in this conversation caused Zacchaeus to give away what he pre what previously captured his heart. How, how did it go down? What happened? It's pretty cool because Luke 18 has a similar conversation. And I think there's pretty much the same conversation with two different outcomes. In Luke 18, Jesus meets a rich young man with the same money idol as Zacchaeus. Lots of parallels between these two guys. Um, both are wealthy. Both are troubled. Both are seekers. Both want something more than they have. The rich young guy in chapter 18 ultimately cannot surrender to Jesus because he can't give up the idol of money. And remember the story? He walked away sadly because he was very wealthy. Is how it says it. And that's when Jesus said, you know what, guys? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to go to heaven. But in chapter 19, 
we see that it's possible for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. It can happen. Zacchaeus chooses differently than the young man in chapter 18. He surrenders to Jesus. He is liberated. The rich man in chapter 18 wouldn't do what the short man would do in chapter 19. That's the difference. Lord, here and now. I'm not going to think about it anymore. I'm not going to delay. I'm not going to put it in my will. I'm doing it right now. I give half my possessions to the poor. And I pay back four times those I've cheated. How do you know he means it? He's going to do it here and now, right? No big promise, but without the follow-through. He's received this outrageous grace from Jesus and it's turned into radical generosity in Zacchaeus. How do you know you're on a diet? Ah, well... Don't talk about diets right after Thanksgiving, first of all. That's a bad thing. But how do you know you're on a diet? You, well, you make clear and different choices, right? You just make different choices all the time. That's how you do it. Zacchaeus is going to make different choices from this point forward. It's going to be different now. He, he chose Jesus over the idol that ran his life. I... Note that there's a cost involved in following Christ, but there's an even higher cost involved in not following Christ. You can gain the whole world and lose your soul. And that's what happened to the man in chapter 18. But the short man in chapter 19 was on his way to becoming a spiritual giant. Look at him now. And so Jesus recognizes this immediately. Dude, the guy's gone to the safe. He's getting out the money. He's, he's counting it out. He's going to pay back. He's going to give it away. And so Jesus recognizes the repentance immediately and He says, salvation has come to this house. You, know, you can't buy what Jesus offers. But generosity is a sign of what happens to you. It's the fruit of a changed life. You say you follow Him. What's your savings account? What's your bank account look like? Are you, are you generous with that? Uh, so Jesus said He's a true son of Abraham because by faith He chose me. That's, that's really cool. That was backed up by Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, where Paul writes, And now that you belong to Christ, you are true children of Abraham. You are His heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. That's the insight from Galatians. Jesus said, you're a true son of Abraham. Putting your faith in my identity and following my purpose. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 also gives commentary on Zacchaeus' life where it says, I am crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me. So you want to be a little more like Jesus and a little less like me? Yikes. Well, I'd say first of all, you need to join the uh, take a loser to lunch bunch. Find somebody and take them out. 
sit with the loner, surprise someone with a gracious invitation, sit down and have lunch with somebody. You've been meaning to have that conversation. Why not now? Jesus is on this mission, seeking and saving lust. I just wonder, you guys, think about it. If Jesus was walking the planet today, who would he have lunch with? Well, I hope I'd be on the list, but I think he would single out some people. I think he'd probably go to the people that are isolated, uh, looked down on by others. Maybe he would go to a overbearing IRS agent, you know, somebody like that. Or maybe he would hang out over at UB or here at Community College, just connecting with college students, just, just sitting there saying, hey, that, that kid, he's a friend. I think he would probably stop by the hospital. He would go into the area of outpatient surgery, the waiting room, where there's loved ones that are just praying to God that their loved one pulls through this surgery. And I, I think he would stop by the uh, local synagogue and talk to the rabbi. Just do... Do a little lunch with that guy. I think he'd go down to the Salvation Army thrift store when people are shopping, and he'd just kind of watch. People who are there shopping for their Christmas presents. He might even show up at church. Maybe. I sure hope he would feel welcome here. I guess I'm saying, I think it's pretty clear that people thought of Jesus as their friend before they thought of Him as their Savior. You know, that friendship thing has to start first somewhere. I was reading this biography and reminded of it uh, by David Jeremiah. John Getty was a missionary in the South Pacific. He arrived on the island of wild cannibals. It was uh, They considered uh, human flesh their favorite delicacy. And that's where he chose to go be a missionary. It was a violent place of deceit and tribal warfare and theft. It was just a rough place. Getty wrote in his journal, February 9, uh, 1849. He wrote, I look forward to the time when some of these poor islanders will unite in the triumphant song of ransomed souls. He lived to see it happen. He died just before Christmas, uh, 1872. And uh, uh, months later, the church put a tablet up in the, uh, in the, on the wall of the church. And it says, in memory of John Getty. And it says it like this. When he landed in 1848, there were no Christians here. When he left in 1872, there were no heathen. <laughs> Isn't that great? Seeking and saving the lost. When I first came to Clarence, I loved playing baseball and softball. I got asked to join a softball team. And uh, it was cool. I fit in. It was a competitive team. The only problem was the team was sponsored by a local bar up on Main Street. And uh, after the games, the team went to the bar for wings and beer and, you know, conversation and hanging out. Before actually joining that team, I wanted the approval of the elders of the church. How's that going to go down? I'm the new guy. Uh, I didn't want those guys to get calls 
from church members or anybody else saying, hey, did you know that Mike's hanging out in the bar again? He's out there again? And so I just said, you guys, I'm under your authority. You tell me what to do. I can probably find another team somewhere, but, you know, I fit. It's Clarence. It would work. But whatever. I'm good. Uh, They said, one of the reasons we wanted you to come to Clarence was so that you would connect with people. So go for it. And give us a schedule so we can come and watch. And one said, when you see us there, introduce us to your new friends. People wonder why I've stayed in Clarence so long. It's because of you guys. And that attitude. Get out there. Get out there and meet people. Well, let me just review a couple things with you and we can close here. Uh, being a little more like Jesus means eating with Zacchaeus. I would encourage you to eat with Zacchaeus this week. Find somebody. Being a little more like Jesus means cutting corruption out of your life. It's hidden. You all look so good this morning. I don't know what's going on. It's hidden. But there's probably some stuff that needs to go just like in the life of Zacchaeus. It was obvious with him. Maybe not so much with us. Cut that corruption out. Being a little more like Jesus involves radical generosity. I know we get into the Christmas spirit this this year, this time of year. But man, it's just a way of life, right? Who needs help and how can I do that? And you guys have taught me a lot about that. Thank you. Being a little more like Jesus means doing business with poor people and lost people. That's who Jesus dealt with all the time. Poor people, lost people, get out there. And then being a little more like Jesus means seeking and saving the lost. That's His mission statement. If you're going to be like Him, that's got to be your mission statement. Um, I can invite the worship team up. You guys, just think about the timing of Luke 19, okay? About a week from now, Jesus is going to be on the cross. Uh, I wonder what became of Zacchaeus. It's just one of those stories where you get ten verses and you don't hear from him again in the Bible. It's just kind of gone. We move on to bigger and better things. I, I wonder if Zacchaeus was at the cross. you think he could have been there? Maybe. Jericho wasn't that far up the road to Jerusalem. How do you think Zacchaeus learned about the resurrection? Do you think that he was one of the 3,000 people baptized on the day of Pentecost? you think he was one of those? you think they said, hey, let the short people up front. Let them be baptized first. You get up here. And he gladly came. And they'd say, aren't you the guy that, man, just a month ago you robbed me and and he said, yeah, but a week ago, a week ago I had this conversation and I had lunch with Jesus and everything's different. Um, so I just probably need to ask you, where are you in this story? Are you the muttering crown? That stinking Jesus. He's saving all those sinful people and they don't deserve it. Or are you up a tree? 
<laughs> Maybe you're up a tree today saying, I want to just be obscure. I just want to be left alone. I'm just curious. And maybe maybe you're ready to surrender today. Maybe you've thought about it a long time, and maybe today's the day you say, I want to surrender. I want to turn my life over to Him. And if that's you, we'd love to have you repent and be baptized today for the forgiveness of your sin and the gift of the Holy Spirit. We'd love to talk with you about that.